This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ferminger, and today I am delighted, delighted and I don't use that word lightly, to welcome Brendan Taylor to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Brendan for a few reasons. One, he's an actor and a production designer and a set dresser, and he's worked his magic on one of my all-time favorite locally produced films, Daughter, which starred John Cassini and Jen McLean Angus and Gabrielle Rose and Tegan Vince and Ryan Robbins and is just... I carry that film in my bones. You've got to see it if you haven't. Also, he is set to recur in one of the most highly anticipated series of 2021, Firefly Lane, which stars Sarah Chalk and Catherine Hagel as Unlikely Friends and is based on a beloved book by Kristen Hanna. Uh, his filmography includes Fargo, Supernatural, and The Magicians, and like 110 commercials. And he's a longtime theater guy who starred in last year's Deep Into Darkness, Vancouver's first large-scale immersive theater show wherein the entire cult was an explorable space and all 18 actors had their own storylines. And that is just the coolest thing. And can I just say how much I miss theater? I miss going to theater. Okay, so that's, that's why I'm delighted. And there's a lot I want to talk about today, including production design, acting for film and TV and stage, commercials and the COVID because it's 2020 and we will cap it all off with a spirited round of favorite things. Brendan Taylor. Hi. 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 Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. I love when people are honored, especially when I'm sitting here at my kitchen table in my pajamas. Um, that's, that's incredible. Now, do you, I always offer my guests the opportunity to rebut anything in the intro is there anything that you object to uh any words that you you didn't like you didn't like that i'm delighted anything no i'm i'm pleased that you're delighted and i'm also delighted and all of that sounded uh wonderful and flattering uh beyond anything so I'm, did it sound delightful it sounded even delightful yes actually. Wonderful. Thank you. That's the word of the day here. Um, And I'm trying to hold on to delight because it's 2020. And not Mm -hmm. only is it 2020, it's like towards the end of 2020. And 2020 has been 2020. So I've been beginning every interview with my lovely guests by asking from my heart, how you doing? Um, one, how are you doing? And two, how do you even feel about that question at this point? Well, it all started when my uncle didn't show up to my t-ball games. Oh no, sorry, is that, is that, we don't have time for that. 
that's sorry. That's, I uh, mean, that's a longer conversation. Yeah. You no. played t-ball um, though. I love t-ball. <laughs> I couldn't do baseball, but t-ball like that was like the sport I liked because it was yeah, just the balls right there. I have I have just vague memories of playing t-ball and probably being scared of the ball, even though it was just like not even coming at me, just sitting on a tee. So a lot. That sort of describes my experience with sports early in life. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We were talking um, COVID. We, we were, were talking yeah, the pandemic. We were talking, right. we're getting way off base here. Um, oh, uh, punny. Oh, punny. I didn't even, I didn't even know that. that be one of those interviews, listeners. It is. It's in my bones. Dad jokes. Um, <laughs> how are we doing? I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, it's been quite a year um, for many reasons. Um, yeah, uh, it's such a weird time right now because of the way there, the way the, 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 the pandemic and the lockdown was early on and this sort of rallying and the pots and pans outside. And then now it's like not there anymore. And it's even worse than it is. And it's holidays and things are ending and industry shut. And it's just kind of, it is like, it's a little... And it's just like physically dark outside. So like that, you know, it's rough. But I feel optimistic. I'm glad that this year is sort of coming uh, to an end. And I think overall, the year has been good. Um, that is yeah. very mildly optimistic <laughs> and yeah. vague, vaguely positive. Um, <laughs> what, if, what have you learned about yourself during the pandemic? Well, um, to address the elephant in the room, I don't know if you caught that, but I had COVID in March. Yeah, I wasn't going to introduce it unless you introduced it, but yeah. yes, you, you, had, you had COVID. I did. Right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. I, I, I estimate that I was probably in and around like the 300th case. In wow. Um, so, uh, it was super weird and very random. Uh, I posted these very long, probably too long videos on my Instagram, um, explaining it all when people were like, just tell us how it is. But, uh, I felt like I, I wanted to explain my, my whole experience with it, but it was very scary. Um, it was very ironic because I went to get tested, um, because I literally just had a cold. Mm -hmm. no fever I had nothing none of those big symptoms and uh, I went to get tested because I go and see my mother who I was worried about and she's had asthma and things like that and you got to put yourself back to the time where no one knew anything we didn't know anything so yeah. I, I tested or I tested in and around like a day after it was declared a world pandemic so and even then people were like, oh, that sounds rough. And like, oh, like, go oh, see the party on Saturday. Like it was, if you, if you remember, like that's how, and then it was like a week yeah. after, like, okay, no more parties, everyone. Like no more concerts. And like, okay, 50 people or less, 10 people or less. Okay, everything shut down, locked down. It kind of trickled down after that. So there was a lot of just unknown. And that was the scariest part of like not knowing. Um, Early on. So you and I, I do remember your Instagram videos. And I, I mean, I think that I, I have a deep appreciation for them. And for anybody who, sh who shares the, the experience of having 
of having COVID and, you know, live, living with COVID. Um, because what we, we, we have not had the opportunity to see people, you know, to, we don't, uh, with good reason, we're not in going into hospitals. The, the cameras aren't going into hospitals to show us what it's, what it's like, you know, and even in the, in the States or, you know, you see numbers, you see, this is the number of who people who got, who got it today. And this is the number of, you know, like, like what it looks like around the world. My dad was watching this like number channel. It was like, you know, just like all the stats for all over the world. And that's what he would have on. And, you know, and so, you know, and I know you and also Ryan Robbins, who is very public as well, you know, yeah. from our, from our industry, we're putting a face to it, you know, and saying like, what you did was you, you helped a lot of people, you know, take it seriously. I, that was sort of the goal in doing that because it was, because it was so weird how it happened because it was so long after I took the test of when I, it was eight days until I got the results. And yeah. when I went in the doctor's room, like he didn't have a mask on and I did like, it was that early on. It was yeah. super weird. And he was like, yeah, you're probably fine. And then, uh, and then like, can I have a test though? And he's like, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? Like it was a very weird thing. And, and then when it all went down, I'm like, I, I felt like I couldn't, I felt like if I saw someone that I knew or at least was an acquaintance, at least I can affect like my circle. I, I would, you know, I would be appreciative of, of knowing what it's like of hearing early, you know, face to face with someone. Because again, at that point, it was still not a thing. We were seeing like starting to see images around then around like from Italy and like, oh, it's getting bad and Italy yeah. and like that. So it was, I just felt it was important to, to put a face to it and to give follow-ups on it. And like I had given a video that I did start having some breathing uh, lung issues like two weeks after the symptoms had been gone. Yeah. So, um, and you know, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I reached out to Ryan and he did too. And a lot of people reached out to me and the, the frustrating thing was, is like, again, I was randomly able to get tested and other people around the time, if you remember, were like, if you have symptoms, stay at home. Like you probably have it. Uh, you probably mm -hmm. did have it. Just like stay away from people. Yeah, yeah. So people couldn't get tested. Um, so I had people reach out saying, "I think we have it," and um, you know, being able to compare. So it was it was good to be able to connect with people and uh, people like um, like Ryan and 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 others. So yeah, it was uh, it was a very scary scary time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and yet at the end of this time, you're, you're opt, you're kind of, I say your, your optimism is not super enthusiastic, but you're optimistic, <laughs> you know, yeah. but so, so, um, like what if, I guess my original question though was, what have you learned about yourself mm. through this process? And also, I mean, because you are an artist, like, how do you think it's going to impact your art or how is it already impacting your art and your relationship to your art? Mm -hmm. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's allowed me to, uh, really, um, reflect on my health in general, um, the sort of, um, need to, uh, to really sort of live in the moment and take advantage more of, of the moment and, I'm not getting any younger <laughs> and I'm definitely kind of feeling it these days. And, and, uh, I think I just, um, I, it's 
this whole thing has sort of made me kind of given me a boost to sort of push through and beyond and and uh and know that this is still a possible and viable uh career and industry and uh i encourage people that you can you know there's there's life beyond this and and that's where i sort of i feel the optimism and um i know that uh i know that we're gonna get there and we're resilient and i miss theater so much as well <laughs> I really yes. it's the things we took for granted and like the irony of that of that uh show of like it was literally we were interacting with the audience yeah so it was like i was you know touching people like just to think of that that wasn't even you know possible so not taking those things for granted um that that's a big that even more so i never took it for granted but i, I even more so i i i'm grateful for every opportunity that i've had yeah hopefully will have <laughs> um it, i think it's just really solidified and made me reflect on how special the experiences I've had both in front of camera and and on stage yeah. um, and those are unique times in life and uh but you can't get stuck in like that's as good as it's ever going to be like you know it's 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 not the case and there's always we, we don't know what's happening what's coming and and there are always great things coming and I think it's important to keep that mentality so that you look for those things. Yes, the, and, the cautious optimism. And if you don't mind my asking, how are you, how are you feeling now? Like, where, where are you in your COVID journey? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good now. There were, there were times months later, I mean, it's been months now, that I, I don't know if it was me just being tired or it would start to because i had the with the breathing things came the the lethargy and the sort of tiredness um and i don't know if it was just me being tired or these sort of feelings that these sort of symptoms that would like arise again randomly yeah and other times i was fine um either way uh now i'm 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 i feel 100 percent and uh yeah it's good but it it did feel like it lingered um, whether or not it was like psychosomatic, I'm not sure, but. Um, well, and you are, I mean, you've moved also during the pandemic yeah. and yeah. you are currently like renovating your place on your own. So you definitely yeah. have your, your strength back in that yeah. way, at least. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was another big thing. I was kicked out, ren evicted from my apartment. Um, you were ren evicted? Yeah. In the, yeah. In the pandemic. <laughs> Um, oh, but, oh <laughs> a pox yeah. on that person who did yeah, that or it's, it's, oh. it's kind of a complicated long history with my previous place but long story short it was still kind of arranged that that would all happen and and then uh, I rented a friend's uh, Airbnb for a few months I didn't really know where I wanted to be yet and then I um, I for whatever reason all these things these positive things came together where it was the right time for me to buy a place. Wow. In, in the middle of a pandemic. And so, um, and then the place that I found was a sort of a blank slate and I'm like, but I could, I could see it. I could picture it. Um, you know, having had sort of experience in the design field and, and my own sort of, uh, somewhat handy skills. It was definitely a big challenge. Mm -hmm. And I decided to take it on and um, get this place. And that's been my 
project for the past few months has been just uh, working and installing cabinets and tiling and hardwood. And That's amazing. That's also like 2020 throwing you a bone and being like, look, we know it started off pretty rough and the renovation, oh, that's terrible. So we're going to create a situation where you're in a position to buy your own place and make it what you want. You know, yeah. so sometimes the year it's delivered a bit. Are you ready for some, are you ready for some time travel, Brendan? Yes. I'm okay. Ready. So, um, I want to go back. Okay. So first of all, because I think it's very telling. Yeah. What, and I know you've listened to the podcast before. What is your time travel vehicle of choice? Okay. I know a lot of people say the DeLorean. Yeah. That's a, that's a big one for me. That's a good backup. Uh, I love Back to the Future, just like many people. And I'm also a car guy, so that and I literally wanted a DeLorean. I was like pricing them on eBay when I was in like high school. Uh, I'm not even kidding. And I'm like, maybe I can switch. No, like, no, it could never happen. But um, I think for the purposes, the, the, what came to my mind is like a Save by the Bell, like a blurry as we kind of go back. Can we do yeah. one of those with like where we go back? <laughs> I don't know what's going on right now. Like there's, 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 there's some strange man walking around my place carrying I, boxes. I didn't, I didn't want to say anything, but I just want to, I should warn you now. No, he lives here. Around. He lives okay, here. Yeah. He's my husband and he's got okay. like Christmas stuff. I think he's going to go wrap presents, but it's been like, Dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's gone now. God. Okay. So yeah, so we're gonna do this this very like mid nineties, saved by the bell, yeah. Bill and Ted. Okay, yeah. that's groovy. So so where are we going? I wanna I wanna know who you were as a kid and when you knew that you wanted to be a performer. Mm-hmm. In the arts. <laughs> um, Not the arts, the arts. The arts, the arts. <laughs> yeah. I had a British accent when I was a kid. I was like, I want to be in the arts. Um, no, I, uh, well, it definitely uh, was not when I was about five years old and I did my first commercial. This is a, a, a little hot tip. I, um, it was I, not. It was not. I will tell you quickly the story. I did, this is dating myself, I did a commercial for Woodward's. <laughs> that's how Vancouver it is and I had it was like a brief like SOC role where I like jumped into my like TV dad's arms and I just have memories of like lights and people running around me I had to jump up into the stranger's arms and then they bribed me with like M&Ms and like those little like Halloween packets because I couldn't I didn't want to jump into the stranger's arms I remember crying and because we're taught not to we are yeah. taught not to like it, it goes against what we as like what, what we as parents ingrained in our kids don't yeah. go to strangers don't yes. run into their arms <laughs> yeah but they're it, like okay but there's cameras and and money and m&ms so yeah. it was just but it was like a sensory overload of like all these t attention it was like ah like i was a very sensitive child so flash forward to uh seventh grade now we're going through time forward um, to <laughs> um, um, see how handy that is. It's so quick. Yeah, I think um, that's Wayne's World. That's Wayne's World. That's it's Wayne's World. Yeah, yeah. where they actually do the thing. <laughs> yeah, actually do the finger thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, seventh grade. My high school started in seventh grade. Uh, it's kind of weird, but uh, I was in French immersion, uh, Sentinel Secondary. Shout out, West Vancouver. 
Um, there are there are people in the audience who are like, woo! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, people, woo! Um, uh, yeah, actually, uh, fun fact: uh, at local actors uh, who I've worked with, Jason McKinnon and uh, Jessica Harmon, both went to Santa. Oh! And at one point, we were all in the same school at the same time. How weird is that? That's amazing. Anyways, That's back, great. Back to the show. Uh, I was in seventh grade, uh, and I did I had an elective or whatever they called it back then. It was drama seven, and it was just me. For some reason, I found this comfort with it, and we had to do these scenes. And 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 I always loved. I was a big comic book fan. I was a big action movie fan i always loved I, and, and when i used to play with my friends and we'd literally like play in the forest and and pretend to be like superheroes and stuff like that you know we still do it no i don't but um wait and, but we should still do it and like still. on one we should still do it and two i guess actors really get to do it a lot yes. Um, yes. but on a budget and you can't make mistakes, but I'm not an actor. Like now I want to go to the forest and like run around and pretend that I'm like, you know, Leia on the moon of Endor, you know, totally. and, and yeah. some Ewoks. That's dope. Yeah. I want to do that right now. Okay. We'll finish our interview and then I'll do that. All right. Let's do it. Meet okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, I remember one of the first performances um, that I did, I was obsessed with Pulp Fiction, and I was really young. I probably shouldn't have, it's probably too young to have seen the movie, but I saw it. And I was obsessed with Christopher Walken's monologue mm. about the watch. And it was like eighth grade, maybe we had to do these like these presentations. And I did, I, my dad got me like a military like jacket and I got like a watch and I ripped the strap off and the whole monologue where he's, it's like the POV of, or the, of Butch yeah. sitting down and like Chris Walken is holding up the watch that he's had up his ass. For. In the eighth grade? Yeah. Yes, I did. Christopher Walken's ass watch monologue from Pulp Fiction. Oh I think God. it was eighth grade. Yeah. And how was it, how was it received by it, your everyone, teacher and classmates? Everyone loved it. Everyone. <laughs> but I have to say that my impression of what acting was, was trying, well, trying to do an impression as best as you could. Mm -hmm. And this was kind of like, I was, didn't know a lot of other like Chris Walken stuff at the time. I was just really obsessed with that. And so I was like doing a Chris Walken impression before knowing that the Chris Walken impression was a thing. But, um, so I think, and then I did a play in grade 12, and that was like, um, we did The Real Inspector Hound by Tom Stoppard, mm -hmm. which is like a kind of murder mystery type, dry comedy, um, completely age inappropriate for high schools, but that's what high schools do. <laughs> and uh, It always, I mean, there was some wonderful uh, little TikTok going around that was like, uh, it was about like all the roles that you play in high school plays. And it's like, you know, the, the, the drinker who doesn't know how to drink or the smoker <laughs> yeah. who doesn't know how to smoke or, you know, talking about how tired they are as a parent. It's, it's, yeah. it's like, this is totally true. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> I was like an, like an elderly crotchety like play critic. Yeah. <laughs> I just put gray shit, like powder stuff on my hair every night. Um, but yeah, but I remember I found it, someone had taped that, like a VHS 
tape back then. And it was only like half of it because you could only fit part of it on the tape. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, and I remember watching it kind of recently and being like, like, like that kid, me being me, has no idea what he's saying. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes he's like, oh, he's really like in the moment. But other times he's like, he's saying words and he has no clue what he's doing or yeah. saying. But he's doing it like dramatically and emphatically and it's kind of entertaining. And so there was like some natural ability there, but it took me a while to kind of like learn that acting isn't just like repeating lines and it's like real stories. And I'm curious though about like, <laughs> and honestly, I would love to see those recordings. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> um, but you know, be, beyond like what it looked like you were doing, what were those performances like doing for you? And like, was there a point when you were doing that work where you're like, you know what? Uh, family, friends, I want to be an actor. <laughs> I'm assuming um, that's part of every every actor story, right? Where there's like a, a declarative kind of moment. I have no idea. But yeah, it was um well in during that time people I was I got like best actor awards in school and I didn't and people said, Oh, you should do this, you should do that. But I think so I will probably get to this, but my mom and my uncle were both in the in the biz. Was this the uncle who didn't show up for your T ball game that one time? What no, he was <laughs> <laughs> um, he was too busy in film you know film networks. no um he's a grip and my, my mom was in our department for commercial oh, wow so that's that that gets into the setback stuff later but um i guess growing up in and around being on film sets and being on I, my mom would take me you know, my parents would split up so she would take me sometimes to set when when i was with her and um being it was almost that like being on the other side of camera made it made being in front of camera even that further away because yeah. it's like we work on this side so being over there is just i mean i objectively would see it and see the actors and kids and stuff and it just seems so removed and not real and the whole industry and everything so it took me a while to to say yes uh to that but i always kept it up when i went i went straight to the ubc um and i still figuring out what i was doing but i always had like one elective that was in theater or in acting or something related to that just to keep that kind of interest fire burning mm -hmm. and uh and then it was the last year of university that i found a class outside of university where i found that like that room that group of people were like this is where I belong this is what I didn't find in like five years of university <laughs> mm -hmm. I found it in this little tiny room in North Vancouver so um and then that from there kind of like okay this is what I I want to at least pursue this so yeah. yeah what were some of the early early challenges you faced and the mistakes that you made and, and I'm wondering if any of them are tied to the fact that you did grow up on, on film sets and if that might have put an idea in your mind of, of what it would be like. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I think it's, it's, I used to have a lot of regret around this. And now I've kind of accepted the way um, that it all kind of happened as it should have. But uh, I do kind of wish that I in a way, I wish I'd sort of dove into it earlier on um, and sort of trusted that and that was a thing that I could do. Um, but uh, it, yeah, it took a lot of time for me to sort of go through it. And then I, when I was working in sets, um, I was, 
you know, watching it never, that never felt like that was the job I was going to do forever. But cause I'd always be around these actors and I got to spend a lot of time around great actors, local actors, some like really big A-list actors would come into town and talk to them and stuff. And I'd say, yeah, I like, I, I take classes and this and that. And I finally, I had enough of like seeing someone doing something like, oh, I could do that though. Uh, that right there, whatever that guy's doing, yeah, like I should, I should have that role. <laughs> and it took me a while to sort of be like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I remember getting an agent. Actually, I was working on an indie film and the director like, hey, everyone like on the radio, like Brendan got an agent. And I was like, oh, good deal. And, and uh, yeah. And then I booked like my first thing, which was a commercial and it was just a huge thing. And, and but it was, I, I think one of the things is I, I, um, I thought it was too late. Mm. Uh, one of the things I was like probably 27 when I had started taking classes seriously. Yeah. And I was like, it's always younger people in class. Like they all do all the teen stuff. Like I wasn't a child star. Like I'm like a fucking old man in this <laughs> room. At 27. Like, at 27. I was like, oh I'm, like I'm, I have to play catch up. And I did. And I I'm sorry for smiling and like, and chuckling <laughs> kind of, but it's like, it's yeah. like the 20, our twenties are such a, I have said this before and I just, I really feel like we, we need to address the fact that the twenties are such a challenging time and we put too much pressure on 20 somethings to, to have everything all figured out, you know, yeah. but like, it's, it's, I think it's like, that's the time where you're exploring. You're not too old at 27. My God, even at 41, I'm like, I'm still, I'm only just now like growing into the person that I'm meant to be, you know? Yeah, no, I know. And, and that was the thing. And that's why I can like reflect and be like, that was, come on, like 27. I remember like I was taking, like I was at one point, uh, working full time on sets out of town, uh, leading a crew of set deck uh, people, taking classes, taking three different classes and having to rehearse for those classes in between all of that. And like going to the gym, like doing everything. And uh, it was just, I couldn't sustain that. I eventually kind of, you know, I was trying to play catch up though. I was trying to like do it all at once. I need to like get there. Yeah. And I think if I could like learn and like pass me the honest of like, you can do this at any point and any time is the right time. And, and, and I, you know, the other side of that is I was able to bring this life experience to what I was doing. Um, That's true. Like rather than me just diving in and only doing acting and only that yeah. forever. Like I did other things in my life and I traveled a bunch and, and, and went through things so that I was, by the time I did take that seriously, I could bring something more yeah. to that. I mean, otherwise you're the high school student with gray in his hair, you know, like imagining, you know, what it's like to, to be, you know, in your nineties on your deathbed. Like, it's like, it's just, there's yeah. a, you know, there is something to be said for life experience. And I'm also thinking about like uh, people that I've, I've had on the show, people like, you know, who, like Chela Horstall. Alex mm -hmm. Ponovic, mm -hmm. uh, Johanna Newmarch. Those are those are all people too who who came to this in their late twenties and early thirties and later, right? So yeah. you know, dudes, people yeah. who are listening, <laughs> you're all dudes. It's yeah. it's not. We're, I'm a dude. We're all dudes. Dudes. It is. It is not too late. It is never too late. No, so. it's not. And yeah, and it wasn't. 
uh, until I guess a few years after that, that I started getting, I started to be able to play like the young dad and like, and the sort of every man and stuff. When I, when I was in my thirties and believable as my early, mid, late kind of thirties and that sort of thing. And I tell people this too, um, because I coach actors as well and stuff like that. And who, some who have concerns is I, I don't like, don't feel bad that there might not be a lot of roles in and around the twenties too. Cause it's a pattern I've noticed. If you look at acting roles in general, there's a lot of like teens, there's a lot of college sort of age. And then you jump up to like people with families, people with children, like midlife sort of drama and like careers and career switches and you know, things like that. So like in my experience, there's not a lot of like stories to be told for like someone who's 27 in right. comparison to the other sort of stories if you sort of see. So I, I say that to sort of take consolation that it's, you know, like take this time to like train and do other things and place it. And, and then you'll kind of, you know, especially if you're that age, you'll grow into those roles that there are plentiful. That is the one thing that we can't stop. And the one thing we have no control over is time and the passing of time, right? So mm. you just kind of got to got to move with it sometimes. Yeah, exactly. yeah, all the time because we have no choice because of time. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Um, I do, I, before we talk about, uh, I'm going to talk about commercials. I want to talk about Firefly Lane, a lot about that, whatever you're able to say. Um, I, I want to spend a little bit more time Oh my God, I'm such a dork. Uh, on um, on on the work that you've done, you know, as a as a set decorator, a set dresser, production designer. Like, first of all, you might be one of the first that we've had on the show, which is obscene. Um, what is it like? What do you do as as uh, as a production designer, a set decorator, a set dresser, and because I'm not able to ask just one question at a time, apparently. How, did your, how does your work on that side of the business impact your acting work, if at all? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I've, I've, I have a ton to, to say and share. Oh, wow. You're shifting. You're leaning shifting. forward. I'm, I'm leaning. <laughs> digging into my couch here. <laughs> um, uh, what was the question again? Oh, no! <laughs> I don't even remember. Um, uh, like set deck. So, so to explain maybe in a nutshell of that sort of department for people who don't know how it, how it all sort of breaks down, you have uh, in film, you have like the, the, the writers, directors, you have the uh, 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 director of photography, and then you have the production designer. Those are sort of like the top jobs. There's like the people who, the story, there's like how we want to look on camera, and then the actual design of the movie. Like down to colors, down to, you know, uh, all that sort of that aesthetic, the visual aesthetic beyond the camera stuff. So then below the production side, you have the various people in the art department. And then you have the set decorator, who is the boss who uh, takes the production designers uh, sets that were built by um, construction and paint and so forth. And then they fill that with the various things from furniture to artwork to plants to garbage to uh you name it that's sort of what we sort of do um and then down through there you have the lead dresser who sort of passes on the instructions from the decorator to all the set dressers who are kind of the people who actually physically move the stuff into the space so that's a little like rundown hopefully that, that sounds like fun yeah it's it's uh but it's like, a, 
But also, like, I'm assuming that you have to, like, you're also, you have to take all the information that you're getting from the writer, from the director, from the the DP, and be like, okay, because it has to reflect characters, and it has to reflect storyline, yeah. and it has to, that's, that sounds yeah. like fun. Yeah, I mean, me. I've, set, I've set deck today for a, a Christmas movie, which, yeah. I mean, I haven't, but <laughs> didn't I? Didn't I, though? Yes, you did. Very good. <laughs> so, in your particular set here, I'm seeing a Christmas tree, I'm seeing a lot of these other things, I can see all the the detail there and the, the trees. So the other, the other job that I did was an onset dresser. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at your screen as an onset dresser would. Mm-hmm. The onset dresser is the person who's there during shooting, who's um, not only uh, responsible for continuity for the things when the cameras have to move around, but also the frame of the camera and putting things in the frame. Ah. And, uh, so if, you, if the frame is static or, or not, you want things to sort of uh, that rep- represent the room to sort of be in it. And sometimes it's like, it is like creating a composition, a piece of art or a photo of putting stuff in the way that, that in, in the, in the frame and then around the actors that, that gives it depth, that gives it character and stuff like that. So um, I would, so when I was doing that, that's when I got to like really work with the character type stuff because I don't say the actor, the character has a guitar um, and the set and the set was made and there's a guitar in the corner, but none of the shots are, are looking in the corner. So I'm like, I'm going to, you know, because we've never seen that, I'm going to move all the guitar stuff in behind the actor on this shot and it's on their coverage. So we see the actor with the guitar stuff in the background and that, you know, maybe they're talking about their career and their dreams and, and then, you know, we know that the actor likes guitar and we see that in the background and that all plays into our Im- image of the actor and what they like. Can I, can I just say, can I ask though, yeah. as somebody though who has, so given that you've done that, that work, mm-hmm. is there a part of you that when you show up as an actor that you want to start moving stuff around? Or, oh yeah. <laughs> there's like a day, and do you get in trouble? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to like mow someone else's grass, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 there's been moments where I like uh, I, there's been I, I pick my battles <laughs> because I worked on some things that were like indie stuff and I I literally had to point out like continuity stuff I'm like uh, those like candles wouldn't be there because that was like the before times when they had money and now they don't have them so why are those there I'm like and they're like oh shit yeah you're right and I'm like mm. these are like little detail things where like I for the greater good of the film like I wanted it it to be as best as it could. And, and, and also these, the people who were doing it were like, Oh, thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So, uh, but I try, you know, then there's like the seasoned ones where you, you're kind of just a day player. You don't want to like, again, mow their grass like too much, but, yeah. uh, but, <laughs> but sometimes I can like request, you can request sort of things like, Hey, can I put this here? I feel like this, this should be kind of prominent because I, I'm attached to this object, which signifies this to me and like that. So I think in a reasonable amount, you can, you can ask some of those things too. I wouldn't like make super special requests where they have to run to the prop shop, but you know, you can, uh, I think as an actor, you, you know, you're, it, it should be a collaborative thing and you should be able to, you know, give some input on that when, when you're on set. And, and that comes with time and the confidence to sort of pipe up and sort of do that. I feel that's, that's important. So. so how do you think your work then, you know, as a, 
I mean, so what is the preferred term? I've been saying set dresser, set decorator, and production designer, which I know production designer is when you're in a, the, the position where you have teams that you're moving, or that you are, that, that are, are bringing your vision to life. Um, but like, how does all of that various work, you know, mm-hmm. inform your work as an actor? Yeah, I, w- I would maybe refer to it as like art department stuff. There you go. Thank you for saving yeah. me there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're covering all the bases with that. Well, it's like um, I would have my, my, my friends who are stunt artists on. I'm like stunt artists, uh, stunt coordinator, uh, yeah. stunt talent, stunt yeah. driver, stunt. And there's just totally. like. Just, they usually just, have like, they do a bunch of jobs. They don't just do one. So exactly. And it sounds yeah. like the same thing. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so your work in the art department informed art department. your art on screen. Right. No, you're acting art because the art department <laughs> art is on screen. Just, just answer the question. I got, I got save me this. here. I'll save you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what it does uh, for sure is um, for, for one, like I said before, being able to be, um, to pay more attention to that, um, those details um, and having the sort of, you know, the eye for that, of that sort of making sure that that's a continuous sort of thing. Um, but the other thing is just being the the, the general um, uh, the the general idea of being on a set not in the capacity of an actor. The biggest thing is done for me is 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 to always have the utmost respect for the crew that is around. Um, I and me feeling when I'm an actor on set that I I really feel like I'm just a cog in the machine. I'm not the central focus of what everyone's doing no one has any you know obligation to me beyond their sort of job and yes without naming names or shaming anybody even if they deserve it have you noticed a lot of actors um not not respecting you know the people who are in art department or people who aren't cast like is that something that you've 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 seen Uh, you know it's it's it is rare uh, I have to say that most people are, most actors are just sort of so gracious and so sort of uh, uh, delighted to be there. Um, so there are times, there are times that I've, I've seen that and it's kind of despicable um, and not, not being, me having been on the other side of the camera, like I'm very sensitive to how long the fucking grips have been there yeah. and that they had to be there and the hair and makeup were there three hours before me. And they do that every day. And like, you know, uh, and then so my little like, hey, do you mind if you can just fix my little hair? Like, you know, like pick your battles with these people who are busting their ass yeah. for you and, and being, and then, you know, no, I even know like I'll get down to the detail of like, um, you know, noticing when, when a DP or a gaffer calls for like a, a big light or something. And, you know, I know right away that like, Okay, it's going to take like three people to bring that in on set and it's probably on the truck so they're gonna to have to go down and they're growing back out in the rain like i'm i'm very in tune to like the what it actually takes to make yeah. all that happen it's very easy i think as an actor to just kind of to be in your own zone and, and especially if you don't know anything about it to just kind of uh there's a swirling you know amount of energy and stuff going around here and i i don't know i'm just it's just all coming together but like when I can like I can be on a set and I know exactly what every person's job is. Yeah. I know how long they've been on set. I know what every demand requires of them to do. Whoever's sort of giving it. 
Yeah. Um, so I, it allows me like at some point I can connect with them or talk to them and, and uh, be like, you know, good job on that thing or, or whatever, you know, like I, and that for me comes back to like, wow, this is, this is such a big operation, this whole thing. And this is, we're all making this huge thing. Yeah. It's a collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And then the, and then consequently understanding where my, and then my rights as an artist, as a part of this collaboration, like having, I've had more confidence in the past sort of few years is to, to pipe up and, and give my input at least on, on what's happening on with the character and, and things like that and being able to talk to the director and um that's to me that's that's important because i i this should be collaborative i shouldn't be afraid of the director i should be able to ask questions and and maybe they won't matter and maybe they will but yeah i should be able to confidently ask these questions and have some answers to sort of complete what it is that's in my head and my idea of this character so yeah this is also illuminating. Um, let's also talk about commercials. Yeah. Uh, because by by accounts that I was provided with, well, by you, actually, uh, <laughs> you told me that you think that you, you had like a, it was like a question mark and a whole bunch of dot, <laughs> dot, dots, but it was, you think that it's like you've, you're up to 110 commercials. Like that yeah. is so, and I'm like, cause you do, you have that face. I'm like, I think you've tried to sell me very, all kinds of products and services I, over the years. Um, so, you know, so, and we, I don't think we've really talked about this uh-huh. on, on the show before. I think, I know I've spoken to Chela in the past about that's how she started, you uh-huh. know, um, very actively was in, was in the commercial realm, but like, what is, uh, I, I mean, I have so many questions. I'm not even sure where to start. So I'm just going to ask you my like 30 questions. Please. What's in, Okay. So is commercial acting for every actor? Do you need a particular set of skills? And like, what are mistakes that actors make when auditioning for commercials or when they want to move into commercials or when they're actually there on set? And go. That was a terrible (laughs) way to ask a question. Uh, Let me try it again. Um, (laughs) Answer whatever you want. It's a choose your own adventure thing. I love it. it. (laughs) Um, I think, I don't know if um, commercial acting is for every actor, um, I, that being said, I, I wouldn't put it past any actor to, to go for it and, and do it. Mm. Um, but it is a certain, just like, just like uh, every, theater isn't for every actor. Some, some actors are just at home and, and, and the, the camera, that, that way of telling a story and you know, making, a, making a film or TV series. Um, it does um, require, uh, I've definitely, it definitely has a, a skill set um, that that is that I've developed or honed by doing commercials. Um, I can safely say that, um, although I've never taken uh, improv classes specifically, uh, improv improvising, uh, I almost most of my bookings comes from improvising or coming up with my own ideas in commercials because yeah, because uh, well, first of all, the majority of commercials are a lot of them are lighthearted. They're Mm. funny, they're comedic. So as a lot of actors will know for TV and film that you're, you have a bit more freedom with that usually to come up with your own buttons on the end of an act. That's a big thing for comedies is having a button at the end of the scene, uh, meaning like a little, 
those who don't know, a little sort of one last little line or a little look or something that sort of buttons up your scene. Um, or oh my God, buttons up. But, I get it now. Yeah. Wow. There we go. This is yeah. like a master class this episode. I love it. Yeah. I know I'm not the only one who's like, whoa, that's what that means. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so it, it, and honing that, it, that is a really important skill to have that, to be, sort of think on your feet and to um, sort of have, doing it kind of right for audition. Like you want to be in the same ballpark of the sense of humor as what's written. You don't want to be as too bold as to like rewrite the damn commercial and like, oh, this is how it's just, this is funnier. Like, if I say this entire sentence instead, like, well, just, you know, you, that's gone a bit too far. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, and then the energy that you bring in the room, um, now it's a Zoom room for many commercials, but um, I think if you underlying, you're like, ah, fucking commercials, I never book these things, and I don't know, like, you know, who knows who's going to get, it's a crapshoot, it's all about how you look, and blah, 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 and you walk in the room, you're like, hey, like, I'm here ready to audition. You don't think that they just sensed like all of that that's underlying, all that mm. sort of that you're covering. I promise you they do. They do. The casting will tell you that. They know when actors are just there. When when you go in and you're just there to have a good time and to give your best and um be human, <laughs> um, that's when they book you. That's like th- the main advice that I'm getting from this is be yeah. human. Yeah. Be human. Be, be own what it is. There's a lot of, there's also a lot of weird technical stuff for the commercials. There's like things, virtual things that float through the air and you have to imagine them and you react and there's like little beats and stuff. All that is part of it too. That's like honing in and knowing that when they see you on screen, it's like for a second and a half at a time. So being really clear with like one transition to the next, like those are all, things that don't necessarily happen when the camera is like static on you and you're doing a self tape for like the 100 or you know something yeah <laughs> you know, it's i'm a- gonna ask you a really unfair question but right. it's my show i can do you have like a favorite commercial that you've done or one that is like the most memorable and bonkers that stands out in your mind when you think about all the 110 dot 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 question mark commercials that you've done i oh, i have so many i could go on do you have like an hour? I have, I have so many that are so <laughs> cool. Um, can I say a couple? Or can of I say course. One? Okay. I, I, so one, actually, it's funny you just say that because um, actually I was trying to repost it. Uh, someone posted yesterday um, and it, Instagram is being weird. But uh, one of my favorite, it's a holiday one. It's for Petco. And um, it was a few years ago. And I actually booked it with my mustache because I in between it was in between shooting Supernatural the first time I was on Supernatural my character Doug has this big mustache and I'm pretty sure the mustache like helped me book the commercial for <laughs> um, Doug yes that, that yeah. was a big part of Doug was the, it was yeah and that was totally a, by the way it was a writer's choice it was not me at all like I had a full beard and they're like let's give Doug a mustache which I was like <laughs> cred to the writers <laughs> for like knowing that that would be awesome so I had this mustache I had to keep and then I went for a commercial audition and I got it. And so anyways, for Petco and, and I was sitting around Christmas morning and uh, uh, my son was like, thanks mom and dad, but what about Archie? Old Archie, like, doesn't he get anything? And that's our dog. 
and like this is old old sort of sad looking gold retriever and i'm like this like fear washes over my face i didn't get the dog anything and i uh panic and point to the pogo stick like yeah i got it for him and then the, the like kids like hey run the other room with like come on archie let's go play and i turn to my wife i'm like oh, i should have got something from petco like for the dog and in the background just subtly in the background the dog is on the pogo stick <laughs> It's like bouncing and the kid's like yeah go Archie yeah and the dog's just like this like bad taxi like not taxidermy like stuffed animal really <laughs> bad looking golden retriever is bouncing up and down on the pogo stick like a human it's so dumb it's so dumb and I love it I love it too <laughs> and on the day the props master I have a photo of him too I, I should put that up somewhere it was in a full green screen suit and then they like velcroed or attached the dog to the pogo stick and then the kids like there's like the dog and the pogo stick the green screen props guy who's like it is like tight fitting green suit and then the kid behind him and like the three of them in like a congo line going like, yeah we can do it. and he's like props guys like bouncing the thing up and down to make it look like the dog like it was so i couldn't i was crying from laughing if you find it, please post it to your Instagram. Everybody will go. We're going to say all of your various social media handles at the end. Yes. Gosh, I, ho I hope you can find it. It's deep in there, but I'm going to try to post it. Instagram's being weird about posting videos, but I, I'm going to try to do it for you because it's, it's just so dumb. The I, world needs it. Yeah. Humanity needs to see that again. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, the other thing I, like on that, I wish I could have seen the alternates. Um, but like they, at one point I pull up like a, I, I, like a studded collar, like, and it's like, oh, it's like, and wife's like, oh, it's not for the dog or whatever. It's like totally alluding to some like S and M stuff. Yeah. Like, this is amazing. I really wish it. <laughs> <laughs> it's too hot for Petco. Too hot for yeah, Petco. Yeah, it was a little too hot. But yeah. Um, yeah um, oh my God. I've, I mean, experience is doing the two. I've traveled quite a bit. Uh, I've been to, uh, uh did uh bulgaria um uh chile uh sorry santiago chile um mexico city toronto uh and then i did one for carnival cruise uh, we did a nine-day cruise in the caribbean on a carnival boat that was incredible as well <laughs> wow um, you're opening my eyes right now yeah. uh it's all the possible the possibilities of travel how is bulgaria yeah. Bulgaria. I know a lot it, about Bulgaria. No, I did not either. I'm like, you're going to Sofia, Bulgaria. I'm like, how's it? Where's it? What? Where's that? Um, it uh, it's Eastern Europe. Um, it's beautiful uh, downtown. Like, you would think the downtown was Rome or something. Like all these old buildings and stuff like that. Super beautiful. Um, I only had like literally five days. I was like in and out shooting this thing in this like dilapidated, like uh, abandoned mansion in Bulgaria for KY uh, jelly no doubt um not even kidding um, I, 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 I don't even know what to do with that information yeah. that's one does, one does they go sir to. you have lived a life I have you no. really lived a life that was uh, that was spot number two for KY too I, I love that you had to go to Bulgaria for it as I did well. it only uh yeah that's just uh, that's obviously <laughs> <laughs> right um, that's amazing uh, which that is, is actually cool when i was there we were waiting for wardrobe and uh this 
the, 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 the office where the wardrobe, we just had a bunch of time to kill. And the back lot of this film studio was like a small like Confederate town in like Mississippi or something. I can't remember where. And we're like, what is this? And then we figured out it's the set from a Hurricane Heist, the uh, 2018 like crappy like move. I don't know. It was super weird, but they it's shot this amazing. In and apparently, there's like a huge industry in Bulgaria, and they did like the latest Rambo there, and they do a lot of stuff because I guess it's blowing my mind. Yeah, I mean, really... I knew I knew about Hungary. Um, huh. I knew about uh, gosh, where did the Van Helsing guys go for their their season oh, yeah. five? They were like to Eastern Europe as well. Czech, was Czech it the Czech Republic, Republic or, or Slovakia? It was one yeah. or the other. Their fried cheese in both is mm. all that I remember from both. Yeah. But wow, that is that is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so now you're going to have all these people who are going to be like like sliding into your DMs being like, okay, I <laughs> want to go to Bulgaria too. Tell me <laughs> how, or go on the nine-day cruise. Can we talk about Mutt? Yes. I want to talk about Mutt. So Mutt is the character that you play, mm -hmm. I'm told, in Firefly Lane. This highly anticipated series based on a beloved, beloved book. Um, who, who is Mutt? What are, what are you allowed to tell us about um, his journey? Because I know there's yeah. not, I mean, I know how these things go. <clears throat> yeah. You can't say everything. I also know that a friend of the podcast, Patrick Sabangi, is also in Firefly Lane as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, well, uh, I, I haven't actually been told what I can and can't say but I the thing is the unique thing with this is it's it's a book so yeah. uh you can there's it's already kind of out there it's out there I'm a little bit okay a little bit a little bit um well who is but, Mutt? Uh, so Mutt is the uh camera guy for KPOC which is the um uh tv channel that um uh that Tully and Kate uh go to work at so in the um in the 80s timeline. So there's like sort of multiple timelines in this. You got it from the trailer. Um, uh, Ron Curtis and Ali Scobie play uh, Sarah Chalk and Catherine Heigl's characters respectively, Kate yeah. and Tully um, in the early uh, timeline. And then you have the sort of 80s timeline where um, Tully sort of, uh, they, well, they go to a, a local uh, small network and they, they're up and coming and Tully has this sort of uh, drive to be a big uh, TV star. And then you have a later in life uh, where they are grown up and Tully's super successful and uh, Kate has had a life and being a mom and other things. So um, yeah, and then uh, I think, so the, the book is sort of chronological on the show will sort of uh dance around yes yeah exactly so i play the uh and then there's a, a ben lawson uh ben plays uh johnny who's the the manager or the the head of the tv channel mm -hmm. um and so i play uh the camera guy who goes with the team and we all jump in the van and we go to get the scoop and uh you know johnny's managing you know telling me what to shoot and, and uh, I've, you know, falling around with the camera and stuff like that. And uh, when Tully becomes a reporter, you know, I'm following them around, stuff like that. So holding, uh, I'm, assu I'm assuming, so it, because you're the 80s timeline and you actually, do you actually hold a 1980s like giant ENG kind of? Oh, camera? absolutely. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 
it's all very 80s down to my hair down to the sweet wardrobe I get to wear. Um, yeah, I got to wear some like pretty sick graphic tees. Um, I'm like the sort of, I guess, a, a bit of like comic relief, if I'm allowed to say, um, which was kind of a dream for me. I love just fun, sort of kind of goofy, kind of kind of nerdy. So yeah. not, a huge, not a huge stretch, I guess. We, we, we do spot you in the trailer at some point, and uh, <laughs> yeah. you look a little out of sorts in, in yeah. that. Very, very <laughs> briefly in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, let's just say that out of sorts is a good... Uh, out of sorts. Mutt, Mutt likes to have a good time. That's yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I uh, want to play some favorite things. Okay. Um, because... I find these questions very revealing. The, the, uh, the instructions are very, very difficult. Um, I'm gonna ask you your favorite thing of something and then you're gonna answer okay. really hard, right? Yeah, um, it is. I, I, I mean, it's like, it's, it's like honestly, I, I'm, I'm scared to see what even happens. Yeah. Um, but I, I, believe, I believe in you, Brendan. Thank you. Okay, I, you're ready? I, I'm ready as I'll ever be. Here we go. Okay. Favorite locally shot series that you haven't appeared in? Mm. Can it be a past one? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I really wish I got to be on Battlestar Galactica. Oh. I love, and I worked in set deck on that show. You did? I did, yeah. And it was, I got to like walk on the ship and uh, meet a lot of the actors. And I know a lot of like, a lot of local actors were on that show and, and um, I became a huge fan of it. And I got to like meet Edward James almost when he was directing and stuff like that. And, and I remember <laughs> we, was, we were walking through a set and we were dressing and stuff like that. We're, and uh, <laughs> he was setting up this sort of bedroom. And this was the, one of the DVD specials, like the later ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's like, okay, these people, they're the last of humankind and uh, they don't have any possessions. So whatever they do have is very, very precious to them. It's very selectively placed around the room and this and that. And like the set dresser was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Okay. All right, man. <laughs> and I was sitting there like, yeah. And then what? Uh, and what happened? Like, I'm just like enthralled. And then oh, the other dresser was like, okay, like, all right, man, we just want to. Where, where do I put the pillow? Just tell me where to Excuse put Excuse me, it's Adama, and he's telling <laughs> yeah. you where to yeah. put things. Listen you to fucking Adama. listen to Adama. How <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. dare you? <laughs> yeah, so that was, uh, that was great. I, I missed that show, and um, I know a lot of actors have gone on. Um, uh, uh, Katie Sackhoff is in The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. She's like the ultimate sci-fi actress. She's in like all these... She's just, that's her like jam, which is yeah. so cool. Um, and among so, so many other actors. So um, yeah, that's, that's a big one. Well, I went on for a while there. That's fine. I've actually, I have been rewatching Battlestar Galactica uh, over the course of the pandemic. And what I find amazing about it um, although I found it in a lot of sci-fi and dystopian shows I've been watching during the pandemic is like how closely it resembles that, the, you know, the life in there kind of resembles the stuff that we're dealing with, you know, during this, this fucked up year. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question. All right. Favorite karaoke song. Oh, um, 
I would have to say I haven't got a chance to do it yet, but uh, Old Town Road. Oh. Is that the, is that the name of the song? Yeah. Well, not that. Yeah. yeah. Really yeah. Excited. So would you, would you be doing the little 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 Lil Lil Nas X little part, Nas. or would you be doing the Billy Ray Cyrus? I I I'd probably do both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Oh, very talented. You 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 have that kind of range. I do. Yeah. That's, God, I miss yeah. karaoke too. I used you know, to. Yeah. I used to go to um often with Nicole Oliver, who loves yeah. karaoke like me. Uh, we'd go to this place on Robson called Fantasy, and you get like a private room and like all this fried food and like drinks, and then spend four hours just like, just, I don't know. Yeah. Moistly singing all over the place. Just it's like the moist. worst thing you can do right now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Singing in a tiny room is just definitely not. It's not too possible moist. Right it's now. too moist. Okay. Too Favorite moist. junk food. Oh, uh, it's a tough one because I sadly have too many. Um, I I I really like um, dark chocolate. That's, that's not a junk food. Is it not a junk that food? That is okay. not a junk food. It's it's okay. medicinal and it it's it's part of my mental health regimen. Um, <laughs> you know, so that is that is not no, I can I can justify no. dark chocolate all day, every day. Right. So ice cream with dark chocolate in it is still good? Is that it's medicine. Okay, it's medicine. Okay, so I really just like <laughs> medicine, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I can, I mean, I can justify anything for mental health reasons. You yeah. know, deep fried dill pickles. Uh, oh, yeah. Love, love those. Um, yeah. All dressed chips. Uh, big package of nibs. Love those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, all mental health stuff. Peanut butter M&M's. Uh, M&M's. Yeah. Oh, those are good. Dark chocolate with just a yeah. scoop of peanut butter. That's also, can't go wrong there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know exactly what I'm what I'm going to be eating as soon as this is done. Yeah. So what? Is, so okay. Sorry. I need I need my my favorite things twice. <clears throat> yep. Favorite thing to eat at craft services. In the olden times. In the olden times, where you didn't, where you weren't served. Now it's like uh, you used to be able to go and like grab like a handful of like little Mars bars. Yeah. Now you have to be like, can I have a handful of little Mars bars, please. So you'll sure. still ask. You don't please. feel shame. No, I, I don't. I can't do it. I do totally feel shame. And there's like a lineup of like 10 people behind you. Like, oh, you just grabbed a, you just asked, blatantly asked for five little Mars bars. That's, uh, that's embarrassing. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, favorite thing in craft. Uh, I, I, I really like bubblies, like the soda waters. That's still like, a, it's a healthy thing. It's good. I love, you know, it's so funny. I, cause when you say bubblies, I yeah. think of the Michael Bublé commercial. Bublé. Right? It's like yeah. the Bublés. The Bublés. <laughs> so for me, they're Bublés. Bublés. And grilled, grilled sandwiches. I really like hot grilled spicy sandwiches. Oh, yeah. That's about 10.30 when they come out, 10, 11. Like where are the sandwiches? Sandwiches on set. It's the best, it's best thing you can ever hear. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Now I'm hungry. Now mm-hmm. you've done it. All right. I'm hungry. Yeah. Now we're moving on from food questions. Okay. Favorite supervillain? Super villain. Oh, um, I was a big X Men fan mm-hmm. uh, growing up, and I just thought Magneto was super rad. Yeah, I, the fact that he could like just fly around, he could move things and people, and then he would like 
extract the iron from your blood and like pull you through that's how like strong is magnetism and like you control people and like yeah and he was nuanced he was he was like a complex side did you watch the uh the animated series i oh my god yeah the the soundtrack just got me so pumped the opening title even uh, now i will watch it on youtube to get pumped totally (laughs) it's the best Um, well, the, thing, the best thing about best villains too is they don't think they're a villain. Yeah, they're doing like their thing. Like, no, this is for the best. This is for everyone. Why not doing anything wrong? Like, that's yeah. that's the coolest thing about when villains have like a really strong argument and like they do it. Like, that's that's the best part of it. Magneto, Killmonger. You yeah. know, I even oh, yeah. I even have had discussions on this podcast uh, where I I will argue that Killmonger isn't a villain. You know, uh, that he's definitely in the gray zone, but like I, I empathize with what he's, with what he's doing. Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I got, I got one more question for you. Okay. And it's kind of a biggie. Hmm. You ready? I am. Favorite decade. It's easy for me. The nineties. The nineties. Yeah. That's. Wow. Okay. Uh, it was just. Um, I guess I was such it, an awkward teenager that, like, the nineties, yeah. like, Ugh, like I don't like how I felt during the nineties. Yeah, for me, I, I guess it was in the before times. It was all of these. Every year was iconic mm-hmm. when it came to pop culture and music, from like, you know, like grunge, grunge. To, to rap to you know rock and all like these good. 90s bands and, and, and hip-hop and rap which is like really crucial for me and um <clears throat> and then you have like yeah things like x-men and you have things like <clears throat> all the toys were like the best like i'm sorry but the toys in the 90s were just so awesome sorry i agree with almost everything you've said so far but i'm literally I'm a, i mean i was a kid in the 80s and right. like 80s. you know yeah. so we had he-man and we had gem and the holograms and we had mm-hmm. like with those smurfs i argue yeah that the toys were definitely better. Um, but no, you're absolutely right about the, you know, the cultural significance of, you know, I mean, yeah. the pop culture. And I have been listening on a Sunday morning when I do my solo d- kitchen dance parties when Paul <laughs> and Mari are out. He, Mari's learning how to skateboard right now, so they often go on a uh-huh. sa- Sunday morning. Um, I, like, I, that's the music I'm listening to, like old big shiny tunes or, yeah. um, you know, or like the much dance party stuff. You know, yeah. Tupac and and Nirvana and uh, God, Sublime. Like the music was just yeah. so dope. So okay, yeah. okay, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, just like and then it was an analog kind of time too, where like I, I was I was big into video games, so nothing was online. It was all you'd play, you know, with your friends or, and then we'd I play hockey, roller hockey with friends, and there's no cell phones. There's no like it was just. I sound really old when I'm talking like that, but yeah, I mean, it was just this time that was, it was so present, I guess. It was simpler in a lot of ways. It was simpler. Yeah. It was that sort of beauty of the simplicity of it all. Yeah. Where your, your parents, your friends got a hold of you by calling your house and, and like you were there, you weren't and that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh my God. That, that moment where somebody else in the house would pick up the phone and you're like, I'm on the phone. Hang up. Yeah. 
or yeah. the pick it up and it's like, bee, 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 as the modem is on yeah. the same line, so you can't. Oh get. man, what a time! Wow. Well, this time, ooh, that's how you do a segue. This time together has been amazing, Brendan Taylor. Where can our listeners find you, follow you, celebrate you on the social meds? Social meds uh, is meets. on social meds. Uh, uh, Mr. Brendan Taylor on all of them. So M R Brendan Taylor. Mr. Yes. That's that's like you know that's, Brenda Taylor Esquire, like you're very very formal. Formal. I gotta I should change yeah. mine to like Queen Sabrina. Yeah. Uh, I would dig that. Um, yeah. Nobody else would. This was so <laughs> awesome. I've learned a lot actually today, and uh, now I'm also hungry for dark chocolate and totally. um, and sandwiches. And sandwiches. Yeah. yeah. It's. It's a good time for sandwich. Right? It actually is. It's 12.20 p.m. So yes. we're going to wrap this up and we're going to each go in, in, into our respective kitchens and fix something <laughs> to eat. Thanks again. This was so awesome. Yeah. Thank you to our listeners. Please like and subscribe if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners. You can leave us a review. You can find us at YVRScreenScene.com and on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVRScreenScene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me. I'm Sabrina Firminger, and it's edited by Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad and to Paul Firminger for technical support. Yes, Brendan, we are a family business. Um, and to Dane, not Firminger, Develay for the original music. That was actually Paul Furminger who walked through here and he's totally oh, okay. going to wrap my Christmas presents right now. I believe it. Um, why well, screen scene? And he better be. If not, <laughs> if not, there's going to be not. some help to pay. Yeah. Um, why Bear Screen Scene? I don't know. This has gone off the rails. I just got to wrap it up. Why Bear Screen Scene is a division of Fishlight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic, dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.